again, Florida Woman listeners. So your hosts, Kelsey Ann and Nathan, are out of town again. We're at another film festival. We're doing the circuit with our short film, The Den. Um, this time we're in Kansas City, staying at my folks' place. Kind of a little hometown tour. Um, but we're still bringing you that Florida Woman content. So this episode, we're going to do something a little different. Instead of disgusting, ogreish examples of the worst kind of humanity diving deep into the the empty nothingness of the psyche of a, a serial killer or or you know rolling around in the trash with a bunch of crankheads you know doing violent crimes to their own mother this time we're gonna do something nice it's a nice episode about about the circus and elephants how cool is that so when we were at the sarasota film festival we met this amazing woman named nida jonidas um who is a fifth generation circus person five generations of her family have been in the circus and so she's lived a really interesting life gone all over the world and is now a filmmaker based in sarasota where she's made a couple of really amazing films that revolve around her experience with the circus. So Kelsey Ann sat down with her and had a little chat and asked her about what she knew about the circus, how it has an impact on Florida, and go ahead and take a listen. See, not everything about this podcast has to be filth. All right, so here's Kelsey Ann Wacker interviewing Nida Jonidas about her experience being a fifth-generation circus performer. Oh, and the conversation starts off talking about circus elephants because one of Nida's films that uh, we watched has to do with circus elephants. So, there's your context. Yeah. Have you ever been to the Mayaka Elephant Ranch? The Mayaka Elephant Yeah. I have never been there, but I know the mm-hmm. people. I know what elephants there are there, too. Yeah. Have you go? I did go. Yeah, I went with my mother um, about a year ago, okay. and it, we had a great time. We went to the – they do, like, a sort of an educational right. presentation, and you get to wash the elephants and pet them and – that's it is really cool. cool. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There's circus I people, right? Right. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if you know Dolly Jacob. You know who Dolly Jacob Mm-mm. is? Well, that's her sister and oh, wow. her husband and the kids have it. The daughter. They have a right. daughter. Yeah. Cool. So that's pretty cool. There's they also a place in um, up north and the woman has a huge male elephant with tusk and he's just an enormous, enormous elephant. Wow. But um, she charges a lot more to visit them. It's a lot oh. to maintain and, and feed them, you know, so. Oh, yeah. I can imagine. Tell me a little bit about your background as a third generation. Third generation. That's correct, right? Actually, fifth. 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 Oh, my fifth gosh. Yeah. I underestimated I you. Yeah. As well, a fifth four, generation. Four, four, yeah. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Uh, circus performer, circus family. Right. 
on my mother's side and my father's side, I'm the second generation. He was the first, he came from Greece. He was from Athens. Wow. So yeah. And so your, where did your mother's side come from originally? Italy, Italy. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. And they all Torino, which is Northern Italy. Green. Mm -hmm. Yeah. They're from there. Ski country, right? That's, that's absolutely right. <laughs> country. Yep. I never went skiing though. So what was it like growing up that way? Um, I grew up in the circus. I started actually performing when I was less than two. Wow. Um, and I rode a unicycle and it's a little bitty unicycle about that big. <sighs> and I always thought my, my parents were a little exaggerating. And then once I found a newspaper clipping and I wasn't quite two and I found the clipping. So it was kind of neat. My costume is like that big. It's pretty funny. It's pretty funny. So we were five, we are five siblings and um, we performed all of us young. I started the, the youngest only because it's very hard to teach a child that small to ride a unicycle. Because I don't think I could be taught to ride a unicycle at my age. The whole time. I think it's harder for the adult training them because you just bent over the whole, entire time trying to balance them until they learn how to balance on it. So <clears throat> it's kind of cool. That's amazing. Did you, did you and your siblings have different specialties that you sort of gravitated towards? So we all did the unicycle. And my sister did this cups and saucers. She would throw them up, toss them onto her head. And that was her specialty. I was what they call the top person. So my mm. brother would be in a high unicycle and I would go up on the top. So I'd stand in his head or do a headstand or a split overhead. Um, so I was considered the top person. Wow. Were you the, what, where were you in the birth order? Third. So okay. we're five kids. So I was the middle child and I was middle of all the girls and middle of all the boys. So wow, right. a true middle. Yeah. And also because I was probably this the smallest in statue. So mm -hmm. I was easier to the body shape is a lot to do with who's going to go up. Yeah. I could see that. Gravity and everything. So it's kind of a so what types of jobs um, have you had in the circus going forward? I mean, you just mentioned how you worked as a child, but what happened after that? So after my um, father passed away when I was 12 and we were already performing on the circus and my father passed away, we were doing the state fair in Puyallup, Washington, and he had a brain aneurysm and passed away that same day. And I, I was just thinking of this the other day that we were performing at the state fair with Frank Sinatra Jr. And um, he would sing and then we'd do our act. And so it was all and then after my father passed away, we actually performed that same day he passed away. Wow. And he would be in the, he would be with us performing. And um, when he passed away, he wouldn't, he couldn't be there, obviously. So we just, we didn't even think of not performing. And, you know, my mother was pretty devastated and we just said, no, we're just going to keep going because that's what we do. You know, yeah. it, it was kind of weird at this time. I said, I don't think I'd have my child perform, but it was a way of just doing, keep going, you know, and um, restoring normalcy. Right. Having something normal, but it was pretty, pretty strange, but yeah, the show must I, go on, I guess. Yeah, I guess, I guess that we didn't even think of not performing, which was just wow. bizarre. But um, so after that, um, we went to Mexico for a year. We went to tour this, it was a circus, but it was a magic circus. It was a really a beautiful show. And um, we went to perform there for a year after my father passed away. And I think I was maybe 13 at that time. And we watched the moon landing it was a year of the moon landing. So I was outside, you know, with my siblings and my mother watching this moon landing. And I kind of recreated that in the film being outside in the table. Yeah. But I kind of eliminated my, 
my sibling just to make it more personal with my mother. Mm-hmm. And um, then yeah, when- for, th- for those of you who don't know, um, Nida wrote and directed, correct? This correct. beautiful film called Moon Glow. It, um, yes. Moon Dust. Dust. I'm so sorry. It premiered yes. at, or maybe not premiered. I don't know how many festivals no, you've been to. Okay. Yeah. At the Sarasota Film Festival 2022. Yeah. 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 And I got to see it and that's how we got acquainted. And yeah. it was about this, uh, watching the moon landing and her relationship with her mother um, and the circus, obviously. So that's how I found out about her circus background. Anyway, continue. So um, that's how, then when Katya, my first film, won in Houston World Fest, they took us on a tour of NASA and that kind of inspired me because now the footage was available from NASA. So I said, this is perfect. You know, it's kind of a sign. And, um, and I sent it to Houston and they te- contacted me today that it, it's a winner in Houston. Wow, so congratulations. Exciting. Yeah, so that's exciting. That's so exciting. But um, I, everything I write or do is always with the circus, you know, because that's my foundation. So after, after Mexico, we went to Europe my uncle booked us in Europe and we worked in Europe for 10 years touring mm. with circuses in Europe. And we went, then we went to Australia and South Africa with the wow. circus. And we lived on a train for a year in South Africa with the circus traveling. We went up to, wow. at that time it was Rhodesia still, Botswana. So it's pretty cool. Did you and your family feel that you had a home base anywhere or did you feel yeah. nomadic? No, we always had a home base in Sarasota, Florida. Right. And um, that was really great because um, my parents built that home. My parents came over after World War II in 1947. Ringling, John Ringling went to Europe to take all these acts and bring them to Ringling. So that's where my parents met. And then they built the home in um, Sarasota. And my mother had that home till she passed away. Wow. And then when we went to Italy, we had uh, my my uncles had these apartments and we always had an apartment there. So I've heard of the the sort of John Ringling going to Europe and gr- grabbing some performers from there. Uh, I've heard that before, but I've heard kind of mixed accounts of the reasons. Did it have anything to do with sort of rescuing people from war-torn Europe and getting them out of that situation? Or was right. it more just hiring? I, I want to say it was... John, it was a John Ringling North, his nephew that was, I'm pretty sure that was bringing the accent, I think. Um, yeah, there was a lot to do with that. And a lot of circuses were really taking care of a lot of, um, you know, Jewish people and whoever kind of hiding them on the circus. And that mm-hmm. was kind of a, a thing that a lot of, of them were doing. And it was, you know, it was really great. You know, the circus wherever you go, it's kind of a family and all the, you know, religious or wherever you come from become all one. So yeah, that was a lot going on. And a friend of mine told me, which she was my mother's friend and she, her, she was at one point in the concentration camp in Germany. And um, she said that when she finally got out and she was very young and she really was destitute, she found her husband who was performing in a circus kind of saved her, rescued her after because she had lost all her family in the Holocaust. So he kind of rescued her and she was forever grateful that he saved her. Even after she was freed, you know, she had nowhere to go. Yeah. So he kind of rescued her and they performed the circus until she passed away. Wow. Wow. 
That's amazing. I I do see the circus as a family. You know, it crops up in all the research. Really, it's just how much of a traveling family it becomes, and it's a really take care of your own kind of culture. Um, I guess I have a question. How sure. do you see circus people and carnival people? What are the differences? What are the similarities? Do you have experience with both? Yeah, there is. Um, in Europe, carnival is is a little treated. The circus in in Europe is treated just like a like the ballet or the opera. It's a little higher than in, in the states. Circus is more of just entertainment here, where there it's valued as a artistic presentation. So carnival there is also a pretty big money maker. Also, and there's a lot of families that go carnival in the states. The little not as esteemed as much as it should be mm -hmm. for whatever reason. So there is a difference between the two. There is a difference. Yeah, a I, lot of them, yeah, know each other, like I, people who own their rides and stuff. Right, exactly. Yeah. Right. Um, do you, have you ever met anyone who speaks Carney? Do you know about this? No, I know they <laughs> have a yeah. Carney. <laughs> no, I don't. Um, they used to, it used to have, the circus used to have in the States, not in Europe, midways. And so they would have like sword swallowers and all those things that you picture more of a carnival mm -hmm. type entertainment. And um, a bit edgier, maybe perhaps exactly. a little less artistic flair, but right. definitely a wow factor. That's right. how but I see also, it. It's, it's also a, um, it's a trained art too. Oh yeah. So, yeah. And um glass swallowing and firewalking right. and a lot of them is more um not as real as you know they make out but doing mm -hmm. that is like magic magic's not real but illusionist right. is is really good at what they do and so it's an art form anyhow so i think each one of them is an art form in different ways but um yeah carnival is different than the circus traditional circus so what percentage of circus people that you were around um, were come, came from circus families were born into it like yourself and how mm -hmm. many, you know, ran away with this, ran away to the circus, so to speak. Right. Right. I'm going to say the majority of them are family. I want to say only maybe 15% aren't. Then of course you had the Cirque Soleil that came out that really mostly got gymnast mm -hmm. and would take these group of people and train them and just get the best of this. And a lot of circus performers went, of course, to Cirque Soleil that was specialized in certain acts and things. So, yeah, how, um, how did Cirque du Soleil change the landscape of circus in your in your opinion? Um, I think they took it to a different level. I appreciate Cirque du Soleil and, you know, and what they did and how they took it. I still love the traditional circus. I don't, I think um, they should be, you know, they are different but they're just equally entertaining. And I, I think, agree. Yeah, they're equally entertaining. I know uh, Montreal is the the origin and the, the home base of Cirque du Soleil, but I also saw a traditional circus in Montreal. I think they just have a really vibrant circus tradition in that city. Um, mm -hmm. And it was interesting to have seen both on the same trip. And I agree with you. Um, there's a... Uh, more rigorous sort of elevated quality to the gymnastics that's present in Cirque du Soleil, but 
I had an amazing time being entertained by a more traditional circus as well. So right, it was really right. fun. And and the advantage that Cirque Soleil has is that they take groups of people. And unfortunately, if somebody gets injured, they're quickly replaced. Mm. Where a family is, they kind of stay together. But they're, a lot of their um, star acts are usually your traditional circus family performers. What was your favorite thing about growing up this way? Um, my favorite thing, I guess the traveling, you know, I got great opportunity to travel. And um, like I said, I spent a year on a train in Africa, you know, mm-hmm. when I was 16. So that's, that was a pretty cool experience. Then I went to Australia and I was with my family. So, you know, it was hard. Now it would have been easier doing my education with, all the schools online there we had to do everything corresponding and so it would take months wow. to get one test back and stuff so it was different for that reason oh that's yeah I didn't even think about that of course that's yeah. so interesting right. did you go on to pursue any type of education afterwards or what yeah, was sort I, went, of- I just got an AA but I went to get my film I went for film and tv production after my husband and I retired he was a hand balancer he was a really well-known hand balancer and um he produced what they call shrine circuses. I don't know if you know. No, tell me about it. The Shriners, they had the Shriners Hospital and they raised money for um, the Shriner Hospital. So they do circuses. And so we would tour all of, you know, like Minneapolis, Milwaukee, all those large arenas, Edmonton and Vancouver. And we would bring the circus there. My husband would produce it with his partner and we would, um, which was really cool and fun and a lot of work because you have, you know, this big family of, and you have animals and you're moving it and, you know, you have overnight trips and stuff, but um, it was all pretty amazing. Yeah. So the traditional circus in a lot of ways is no longer in terms of, you know, Barnum and Bailey and, and Ringling Brothers, they, they shuttered their doors, right? In 2017. Right. And it was, mostly because of the animals and um, the elephants. And um, it was a very difficult situation because um, I don't know how to say this, but the animals on the circus are really well treated and they are loved. These are, we raised them. I mean, I'm not gonna say, I work, my my first husband was an elephant trainer. So we would tour with these elephants. And, you know, my mother would say, oh, I remember so-and-so, how she doing? But they're talking about an elephant. Right. You know? And they become, they live to 50, 60, 70 years old. So how can you not feel they're part of your family? You wouldn't, you know, you treat your pet right. And so, you know, it was very hard and devastated for them to say, that's it. We're going to start stopping because a lot of people, they were so used being, you know, in that environment, you know. Mm. And, um, I remember we used to have the three elephants and I would perform on the elephant. And before they go in, they would be like a cannon act and the cannon act would have that bang. And so it would be a countdown, 10, nine, and I would see the elephants already and they would start moving their ears because they knew the bang was coming, you know? Wow. So I was like, okay, okay. And, and then they would hear it and then they'd feel comfortable again. And they would kind of hear the music start from when they could run in and they would just you know, just love to do it. And I found them as one of the most, they're super intelligent animals. So smart. Oh my goodness. Close my mind. And really unbelievable. Um, 
and they are really kind. And most of the elephants that are on circuses are females. There's very few males. And you do get some elephants that will not like certain people and you just, they don't, they don't like them. They don't like them, you know? Mm. And, um, but if they like you, they're, they're pretty cool. So I always, and my mother used to tell me this story, you, you, you work with those elephants, you go there every day and you give her a treat before yeah. you go and perform, you know? <clears throat> and um, she, you know, she would tell the story because she was an acrobat, but Ringling, she was with Ringling still when they were in the tent. So they would race down and she fell off the elephant. And the trainer says, just stay in a ball. And she stayed in the ball. She said, all those elephants just passed her. Nobody heard her or touched her or anything. And I had one incident with an elephant, which was totally my fault. And I ended up underneath the elephant and she's kind of laying across me. And I've got my, and it's like, okay, I'm just going to stay as flat as I can. Mm. And then she freezes and the other two elephants, my husband just said, still. And they all just stood very still. And then he says, lift the leg. And he, the elephant was laying, lift the back leg. And I just kind of got out of there slid under wow yeah and and she was just you know she was more scared than i was i think the elephant because she just didn't want to hurt me yeah so they they can be um really sensitive animals they're very protective of each other and they have this um which very few animals have it's you know if you see somebody falls how you get that feeling of oh they're hurt Mm -hmm. well i think it's mirroring mirroring a mirror neurons i think yeah. So what they do is the elephants have that. And I think dolphins and maybe chimps have it. So they get a very upset if they fear that, feel that one of their elephants is in danger. And so the other ones get very agitated with about that. So. Yeah. I, they have a really complex social structure too, I think. Very, right? Yeah. There's a lot to learn from an elephant, mm-hmm. an incredible amount to learn from an elephant. None of us want to see animals being harmed. Of course. Um, of course. I, but I'm curious, you know, what kinds of behaviors did you see? Did you ever see a trainer that you didn't like the way they were handling the elephants or anything like that? I think more is, is some, I may have heard about it. Oh, know, okay. And um, you just don't want to see it. You, you don't want it to happen, you know, because I know people who mistreat their dogs, you know, yeah. and um I just see that all the time. And I think as you age, you get more protective of animals because, you know, we don't own this planet. They, mm. they have every right to be here too. So yeah, I'm very protective of them and of all animals, you know, whatever animal we have, we used, I used to have that my husband had the elephants and we travel with them and then we'd stop and water them. And then my daughter at that time, who was in moon dust, she was only two and it's like, okay, they said, okay, we got to go again. I said, I have, I fed the, we fed the elephants in water. <laughs> I haven't fed my baby, you know, because <laughs> the animals will kind of come first. And yeah. So now- um, were certain circuses or circus companies more notorious for like, how do I, how do I phrase this? Um, was it known that certain circuses were better with their animals than others? Um. I, I, don't, I don't know how to answer that. I really, you know, don't know. Like if you say Ringling, Ringling really took good care of their animals and it was a difficult decision for them to say, we're not going to do the animals. It was just so much, um, so much backlash coming from it. Yeah. Then they retired them all and now they're just, you know, just sitting around. So yeah. they missed that activity. Now, I mean, I worked in circuses even in, um, like I said, 
Africa, you know, and how they had to, was it harder to, to move them? Yeah, it was harder to move them. It was harder to move the people. We were all in a harder situation. Mm-hmm. But, um, and I think more with time, just as much as, you know, I, <clears throat> I think we all remember dogs being tied out on a leash, you know, where now you don't, but I know some people go to work and keep their dog in a cage all day. And it's like, that's a long time. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, yeah. yeah, I don't know how to yeah. answer that question because I think most of the people really, really love their, in Katya, I did take that to another level because there's always one person that's bad. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. There's always somebody that's bad, but they usually are filtered out. A show doesn't want to have that person around because it's mm-hmm. a liability also. Mm-hmm. Did you guys have big cats as well? Uh, yes, we did. Now, I didn't ever deal with them because they're, that's the scariest. Um, you better respect them, you know, and like elephants, you need to respect them. The first thing you do is you respect them. And cats are, they're, they're trained, but they're never tamed. So mm-hmm. I would only say the people who feed them and know them are the ones who deal directly with them. You know, yeah. you, as a, as a trainer, you, feed your animals and you take care of them. And that's how you have that rapport between them. A cat is, a, is totally different. They're, they're not, I mean, it's like a cat. I mean, I, I'm afraid of my house cat sometimes. I can right. only imagine if she was, you know, right. 600 you know, pounds. They, I guess, like, you know, yeah, a little swat. Right. right. Yeah. So um, the tigers and lions are, <clears throat> yeah, a lot of respect. Yeah. Um, so, do you know about the town Gibsonton? I believe we spoke about yes. this when we yes. met, but mm-hmm. can you tell me a little bit about what you what you know about Gibsonton? Well, Gibsonton was a that's a real that used to be a real carnival place, but it's also a show folks place of circus and they do have they have one in Sarasota and they have one in Gibsonton. It's a show folks club. And um, it's really cool. I don't go there as often and um, there's a, there's a big history of carnival there also. Mm-hmm. So yeah. that's the place to go of um, carnival. And sometimes when I mean carnival, I mean the sideshow mm-hmm. and that kind of tradition of that kind of entertainment. Yeah. We yeah. did a, a whole two segments on this podcast about Gibsonton. Um, oh, yeah. We called it Carney Town. Um, but yeah, it, we've, we talked a lot about the sideshow and, you know, it's very politically un- incorrect today, you know, that sort sure. of thing to display someone because of their physical oddities. But I think there's so much more to the story. And I, th- I think that it's just, it's not a cut and dry issue. Uh, you know, they didn't have a lot of opportunity for any other jobs. Right. Um, right. And a lot of them were paid very handsomely and really enjoyed what they did. And so I just like to kind of get down to the nitty gritty with that yeah. subject. And, and it- gave them a form of identity and a place of belonging and um, being treated like a performer, you know, being treated like this part of this family. There was no, um, so I think that's important. And I know it's, you know, like you said, politically incorrect, but um, there was some, some great people there too, you know. Did you ever meet any of them? Yeah, actually I I was just at the the cusp of when they had the midways and the sideshows and um, before that was gone. And I remember flying to um, Hawaii and the company had its own plane and, you know, we were all there and there was all different, you know, performers and um, sideshow. And it was, it was 
you know, we were all equally there together in the plane and it was kind of cool. So I do remember the experience. I must've been maybe seven years old, but it was just a really cool experience that we were all equal, you know, yeah. it, was, it was cool. Yeah. And, and sometimes it was even more than equal. It was like, they got to feel like stars. I mean, they were, Absolutely. they headlined yeah. a show, you know, they were the right. main event and right. I don't know, you know, people, this is how I kind of came down on the subject is people were going to stare at them anyway, that mm -hmm. especially back in those days, um, right. you know, so why not get paid for it? Absolutely. Right. And um, it wasn't a demeaning thing. It was more of a, you know, this is my pride. This is just, you know, just as much as this acrobat can do or this juggler can do, I can do with my look, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Or like a, a disability, even like, you know, people that learned how to, there was one performer that rolled cigarettes and he didn't have hands, you know, it was just. Oh, right. And I yeah. do remember that because I remember this between, I was sitting next to him on the plane and he was smoking like a cigar. Yeah. And it was bizarre to be smoking a cigar on the plane, but he was talking to me and we were just talking. Here's this kid talking to him and he was just fine, you know, and it was, um, it was pretty it was the norm for us, you know, so it wasn't, um, but I, like I said, I was at the cusp of it. And then in Europe, they didn't have that so much. And it was more American tradition. Ringling was the one who created that, you know, and he gave a home to a lot of these people. Yeah, absolutely. Just as, you know. So besides the animal welfare side of things, why else do you feel that the circus is less popular today than it was perhaps in the days that you were performing? Right. Um, it's kind of a weird thing, but it seems like there's a popularity coming back to it, especially in Europe, which is kind of cool. And um, they're going in the different direction of less animals and people still enjoy taking their kids there. And so when they Ringling stopped the animals, they did decide to close the show because that's huge arenas to fill and elephants are huge presence. So I think Ringling's going to come out again with the show. Wow. That's animated. so exciting. Yeah. I would definitely see that animated or, you know, animals or politically correct animals. But <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Europe still has a lot of shows coming back after COVID. And um, I think people still enjoy it. It's, you know, they modernized it and they change it rather than your three ring. Europe is always one ring. They don't have mm. three rings. Mm, so, I didn't know that. Yeah. So the it's three ring is sort of an American invention. Exactly. Wow. Yeah. We have very short attention spans. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We're always bigger, faster, more yeah. rings all at once. That's funny. Um, what do you, what do you think makes Sarasota so special in terms of being a home for show folks? I mean, it all started with John Ringling deciding to have a home there. So that's yeah. why and he made the winter quarters here. So most of everybody who came down, um, stayed their home base was here or Venice. Then they moved, Ringling moved to Venice, but even the Wallendos or the Zucchini or whoever, they all had their, um, their hometown here. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, all these people still live here. I know. I was just going to say still to this day when I'm sure they could live many other places, right. you know, the Walendas still live in Sarasota and all right. the, all the other folks you mentioned. Right. It's really and amazing. My mother was on Ringling when she met my father and they had a double wedding with, you know, Nick Walenda. Mm -hmm. Yeah. All right. His grandmother and my mother and father had a double wedding. Wow. Yeah. So I got. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah. That was. 
That was pretty neat. But that's how far everybody goes back, you know. So I watched I him live in Chicago, tightrope something. I oh, it was he did? Be- right. between two buildings. Yeah. Built, yeah. That was live in Chicago. That was mm-hmm. pretty neat. No, he's um of course what he does is incredible, but also the organization and the permits to get these things done is like unbelievable. So Good for him for doing that, all that. Yeah, but it's a lot of bureaucracy, a lot of red tape. A lot, a lot, of, lot, of, yeah. red tape, a lot of red tape. And his mom at one point did some crust with him. And his, his mom and I, we had the same birthday. Mm. And, um, you know, I was watching her and she she had to be at that point already 60. And she's going down in the wire. But the hardest part is getting up because those poles are like 40 some pounds. So wow. you know, she had to get up. And I saw her. I says, man, the hardest part when you got up is like good for you. I can barely get off the ground, you know. That's amazing. So it is amazing, yeah. She's muscle really memory. <laughs> muscle memory, but also the mem- the muscle's still there. Yeah, yeah. Crazy. I I went to a silks class at the Sailor Circus. Oh, okay. okay. Yeah, last time I was in town. I would love to do that more regularly and get good at it. It's sure. what, a, what an incredible feeling. A lot of upper body strength, like you were a saying. Lot of, and it's a complete body strength because I used to do a an act where it was an aerial act with just the rope, a single rope. Mm. And it was a platform on the top and I do handstands and handstands and I go on the rope and do it. A lot of, lot of incredible core, you know, muscle and body coordination. And um, cause you asked me what I did after. So after I did with my family, I did, I worked with the elephants. I did aerial work and then I was illusionist with my first husband. We did magic. Wow. So. What was your favorite, favorite type of act you ever did? I really, really love the aerial work, but I don't consider myself an aerialist because my family were ground acrobatic jugglers and we stay on the ground, you know, and um, I know more families that um, like the Knock family, they're, well, they were raised there and I loved working in the air. But that was, then I went after my head, my daughter was like, no, I can't do this anymore. This is not who I am. And then I loved working with the elephants. They were amazing. Mm. I loved working with the elephants. And you mentioned the knocks. Is that Bello knocked? Is that, yeah. am I getting that correct? Yeah. Okay. Bello yeah, I was. And his brothers, Mike, Michelangelo knock and his daughter. So um, where my parents lived and where the knocks lived, they were neighbor, we were neighbors with Bello and all his brothers. So he has they're four brothers and we had five, three girls and two boys. So we grew up together. Oh, that's amazing. That's so yeah. cool. I drove by their compound in like South Sarasota recently and yeah, yeah I got to see it. It's cool. Yeah, that's cool. Do you yeah. consider yourself a Floridian? This is the Florida Woman podcast after all. I do have to ask. It is. I do. And I will say yes, because after we retired, we this is the only place I would have lived because I loved Turin, Italy, but all my siblings ended up here, which is great. So yeah, and I have a lot of friends here and um, very cool. I love that. Is, that is cool. That's yeah. amazing. All right. Well, why don't you tell our audience just a little bit about um, your film and you know where, maybe where people can see it next or what festival it's premiering at next? Sure. So the next place it's going to is World Fest Houston. And that's really coming up fast. And I don't know what happened that I called them today. And it's like, they said, no, you're a winner. And I spoke to the woman and she says, yeah, I know Moondust. I saw it. It was apparently they had 5,000 films. And um, she asked the program director, which ones should she watch? And she told me, watch Moondust. 
And so the woman I spoke to on the phone was like, oh my God, and how was the story? And it was, she gave me chills to watch the story. So it was kind of cool to, to speak to someone that actually watched it. And um, my first film, Katya, K-A-T-I-A, is available on Amazon. So go see it. Yes. And Windows is still going around the film festivals. So, but like I said, I, so if you watched Katya, the blonde girl in it mm-hmm. would be, this is her as a child. Right. Link. I see. I see. I have to still make the link, but I, I want to do two more where they each one have kind of a story and then link them together. She was lovely. I couldn't stop looking at her face. The, just... uh, the little girl or the. Uh, well, they were both lovely, but yeah. in, in Katya, the blonde. Oh, yeah. And there's a story behind that, too, because I had a, a, a ballerina from the Sarasota Ballet Company was going to do it. And she was she had finished there and she was in New York doing you have to go um, a Broadway show. And so I sent to the script. And she says, yes, I want to do it. They're going to let me go for three days. So she was going to supposed to come and do the part and the hurricane um, Irma hit. Ooh. So we had to stop filming and I lost her. And I found this girl back on backstage and I gave her the script in three days and I never met her sight unseen. She walked on set. I said, this is the costume. I hope you fit in it. <laughs> <laughs> That's so cool. She did, she did a beautiful job. Thank you so much for your time. Well, thank you. Thank you for asking me. It was wonderful meeting you and congratulations on the den. Thank you. Thank you. Wonderful film. I thoroughly enjoyed it. So thank you so much. Did you see that? Did you hear that? It was an entire conversation without any filthy slime. And it was all about cool, good, nice stuff like the circus and big cats and elephants and the moon landing and making movies. I mean, come on. Does it get any better than that? Well, I don't know. We'll see because this Friday we're coming back at you with a mini-sode. We're diving straight back down into the into the abyss where we crawled out of. And uh, next week, we're going to do a little something, a little number about your favorite Florida serial killer, Theodore Bundy. So um, don't think that we've uh, lost sight of our roots. Anyway, that's all. Ta-ta for now. Later. Bye.